Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. A lot of times we judge something off of the worst representation of that thing. Right? For example, let's say you go to Chili's right? and during your visit, you get a bad waiter. He gets the order all mixed up. He never refills any of your drinks and he has an absolutely stinky attitude. You might think to yourself, man, I'm never going to Chili's again. Right? I've had such a bad uh, experience and service. All Chili's must be the same. I'm never stepping foot into another Chili's again. Well, how about this? Have you ever heard someone speak against Christianity because Christianity was poorly represented by someone? Or maybe because someone had a a bad experience in a church. And so the thought process goes, all Christians must be the same. You know, if this is what followers of Jesus are like, then I don't want to do or know anything about Jesus. By the way, that's why one of the strongest apologetics to our belief is true Christians living authentically. Your credibility goes way up when you genuinely live out with your life what you confess with your mouth. But when someone lives an exemplary life, it has the potential to make something attractive. This is why some people become raving fans of businesses like Chick-fil-A, for example, because the CEO tries to instill values into the employees where they raise the standard of service. They hire and train people towards having a go the extra mile type of service. And as a result, customers tend to have a positive outlook towards the service that they provide, and they become raving fans. In the 3rd century, a plague hit the city of Carthage in the Roman Empire. Some estimate that at the height of this plague, 5,000 people were dying a day. And many people fled Rome during that time. And much like the pandemic in New York City, there was this huge exodus out of the city during that time. But it was a Christian leader named Cyprian who, instead of fleeing, encouraged Christians to stay behind and move towards the epicenter of the plague for the reason of caring for the sick and dying. And because of this selfless and courageous act, the reputation and influence of the Christians increased throughout the region. I know it's easy to pinpoint where there's been a lack of good leadership, especially in Christianity. But throughout throughout history, there's been many examples of good, godly leaders, people who exalted Christ over self, people who selflessly served others. Why do I bring this up? Because over the next few verses, as we close out chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul's going to mention some good, godly leaders that will say, that he will say the church in Philippi should look up to and honor and emulate. Remember, Paul's been talking about living as citizens of heaven, living worthy of the gospel. And now he's going to give us some examples of people that are living that out. And in that, I think there's two things that we can draw out. First of all, the people that he's about to mention, these are great examples for us to follow. People who genuinely loved the Lord and loved others and authentically lived out their faith. There are people who genuinely love the Lord, love others, and live out their faith. Not that they're perfect, but that they are doing these things by the grace of God. And we should honor them. We should look up to them. And we should try to follow those examples. Second, this is what we should all aspire to. 
We should aspire to be good, godly examples of what a life pursuing after Jesus looks like. This shouldn't be something just for like an elite group of people. We should all live our life in such a way that it is worthy of being followed by others. In our own respects, we are leaders. I need you all to see yourself as such. You are a leader in your home, in your workplace, at school, in the community, among your friends. And as such, your life should be modeled after Christ to such a degree that it raises the standard among your peers, not that you lower your standard to theirs. Can that be said of you? Are you a person that is worthy to be followed? Can it be said, hey, follow this guy's lead. Follow this girl because they are headfirst pursuing Christ and genuinely living it out. Man, it is so obvious by how they live their life. If I had to add a third thing, I'd say this quickly, and that is that the local church needs these examples of godly leadership. And some of you perhaps have a desire to lead within the local church context, and that's an amazing thing. Local churches need leadership. And let me let you in on a little secret. Swerve needs more godly leaders. And so if God places the desire within you for leadership within the local church context, what we're going to talk about today is especially true for you. Now, real quick, Paul is going to introduce two characters in the verses to come. One is Timothy and the other is Epaphroditus. And what you need to know is that they were both discipled and served alongside of Paul. Paul acknowledged them as leaders worth listening to and following. And he lists them here in his letter to the Philippians as godly examples. So here's what we're talking about this week. Three things to help form a godly leader. So first, a godly leader, number one, genuinely cares about others. Let's pick it up in Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at verses 19 and 20. Paul writes, Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. Paul pays a huge compliment of Timothy in this passage. He says that he's like-minded, meaning that Timothy gets the gospel. Timothy sees the need to get the gospel out, to plant more churches, and to make disciples. Timothy was a companion to Paul and traveled with him. Beyond being another spiritual leader, what we understand from this passage is that they have a special relationship. He wasn't just another co-worker of the gospel, but also a friend. So Paul pays him the compliment of genuinely caring about the interests of the church in Philippi. Remember how throughout this letter he's been expressing the affection that he has towards his dear friends in Philippi? And it's as if he's saying, man, no one cares as much about you guys as I do except this guy. This guy, Timothy, he also cares deeply about you. You see, guys, a godly leader will genuinely care about the people that he or she is called to serve. It's not just a job or a chore, but genuine affection is developed towards the church family. And it's demonstrated by their speech by their patience in dealing with others' temperaments or shortcomings. It's by extending grace, by giving words of encouragement and consolation, by correcting and admonishing in love when necessary. Do you genuinely care for others? Do you genuinely care for your church family, the people sitting around you? And is it obvious by your speech, your actions, your body language? 
Do you regularly spend time praying for others by name, specifically for their needs and their heart? Remember that Paul is listing Timothy as an example to follow and that we should aspire to also be a godly leader as well. Secondly, a godly leader seeks the interest of Jesus. Let's look at verses 20 and 21. Paul writes this, For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. If we're honest, most of the time, the one who grabs the majority of our time and attention is ourself. There's always, uh, you know, kind of a selfish bend towards caring for number one, which always tends to be self. Unfortunately, the same is true for many leaders, even within the context of the church. Many Christian leaders are concerned about how they appear on Instagram. They care, they care more about that than the people they're called to serve. Many Christian leaders are more concerned about building a platform rather than building people. Many Christian leaders are more concerned with being up to date with fashion and technology over being up to date with what's going on in the lives of the people that they're called to serve. But a godly leader cares more about what Jesus thinks. A godly leader wants to be about Jesus' business over his own. A godly leader wants to build Jesus' platform over his own. He wants Jesus to go viral. She wants Jesus to be made much of. They want to make Jesus famous. I love this quote from a commentary that I read on this passage. The author writes, Let us pursue the same type of compassion that flows from a heart enthralled by Jesus. Don't serve for the admiration of others, but for the adoration of Christ. Serve out of compassion for people, not to make a name for yourself. Let us humbly seek the good of others in light of how Jesus has poured out his life for us. To know the interest of Christ means that for a godly leader, Christ has to be first. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness above all else must be a priority. So that means that a godly leader first has to be so overwhelmed by the beauty and the majesty and the wonder of Christ before he can even begin to influence others for Christ. To follow the interests of Jesus, a godly leader has to hear from him. How can a godly leader hear from him if he doesn't spend time in the scriptures or spend time in prayer, surrendering his will to God, repenting of sin, casting his cares and anxieties before God, meditating to hear from God and execute his desires? So here's the question. Are you more concerned about Jesus' interests over your own? Are you more concerned about Jesus' interests over your convenience or comfort? Are you spending time seeking Jesus' interest through the scriptures and in prayer? What are Jesus' interests? Jesus cares more about your heart than outward appearance. Jesus cares more that the lost be found and the found become part of a family. Jesus cares that the church be united in one accord, faithfully serving others in the name of Jesus. Jesus cares that we love one another as he loved the church. Jesus cares that we are growing in Christ-likeness in red-hot pursuit of God, never looking back. Are these your interests? Can others see this in you? Because a godly leader seeks the interests of Jesus. Thirdly, a godly leader has proven character. Check out what Paul says about Timothy in verses 22 and following. But you know his proven character because he has served with me 
in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. In this passage, you can really see the type of relationship Paul has with Timothy. It's almost like a a paternal relationship. We know that Timothy is a young leader, and Paul has taken him under his wing to develop him as a leader. What's really a, a really important detail about Timothy is that he has a proven character. You know, many times as a society, we elevate talent or showmanship, charisma and appearance. But do you know what's more important than all of that? Character. Character is who you are when no one is looking. And a godly leader has a proven character. I think this passage gives us at least four proofs of character. I'll try to go through these quickly. All right, someone with character, number one, serves. And Paul says of Timothy, because he has served. You see, Timothy is a servant. And this is exactly what Jesus taught, that the greatest among you is he who serves. The Bible even says this of Jesus himself. This was the example of leadership that Jesus left. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Guys, a godly leader with proven character doesn't sit down by the sidelines waiting to be served. They get up, they serve others, and they seek out opportunities to serve. And if you want to be a leader in God's kingdom, remember, it's an upside-down kingdom. And in the world, to be a leader is to have others serve you. However, in God's kingdom, we follow the example of Christ and we serve others. Do you sit back waiting for others to serve you? Don't want to get your hair messed up? Want others to kiss the ring? Not in God's economy. A leader is a servant. A godly leader with proof of character is someone who is number two in the trenches. Paul writes, because he has served with me. Timothy's right alongside of Paul in the trenches of ministry. This means that he's getting his hands dirty. He's with the people. He's getting cussed at by the haters. He's also getting chased out of synagogues and being threatened. He's actively sharing the gospel and doing life with others. Now, many people have this view of leadership as one who is perfectly manicured, hair in place, nice clothes, floating on a pedestal for all to admire and look up to. But true kingdom and gospel-focused leadership is dirty. You got to put in the work. You have to face the opposition. Guys, the Bible says that we are in spiritual war, and war is messy. You don't go to war and come back clean. Godly leaders cannot sit back when there's work to do. They're in the trenches getting their hands dirty. Thirdly, a godly leader with proven character is gospel-saturated. And Paul writes, because he has served with me in gospel ministry. And that means that it's all about Jesus. It's all about telling as many people as possible about Jesus. It's loving and serving others in the name of Jesus. And a godly leader with proven character doesn't make it about himself. It doesn't make it about a church or a particular ministry or label. It's all about Jesus. So what they say, what is taught, how they serve, who they listen to, it's all about Jesus. It's saturated in the gospel. And lastly, a godly leader with proven character honors others. 
Paul runs out this section by saying, because he has served with me in gospel ministry like a son with a father. And this dynamic that Paul presents is so interesting. It is telling of the type of relationship that they have. And when you think of a good, godly son, it's someone who honors, respects, and looks up to dad. And this is the kind of relationship that Paul and Timothy have. Godly leadership doesn't put down others. It doesn't dishonor other ministries or leaders. Younger leaders do not put down and salt or belittle the work of older leaders. Instead, godly leaders with proven character honor those who have gone before them. There's this mutual respect, admiration, and honor that is extended towards one another. Because at the end of the day, we're all working towards one goal, the advancement of the kingdom of God through the good news of the gospel. So all that to say in conclusion, Paul lays out for the church in Philippi an example to follow in Timothy. And listen to me carefully. We need godly leadership. And I need you to view yourself as leaders in your workplaces, in your home, among your friends, on your block, in your apartment building or complex. We need godly leadership in the church context. And if you're going to step up to the plate, you need to genuinely care about others. You need to seek the interests of Jesus. You need to be about Him in gospel-saturated ministry. You need to have a proven character. Above all, the greatest example we can follow is that of the godliest leader to ever walk the earth. We follow the example of Jesus Christ, the one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom. That's what He did for all of us. We were dead in our sin and trespasses, but Jesus humbly died in our place to atone for our sin. He rose from the grave on the third day so that we can have forgiveness of sin and new life. And for all who will put their faith in Him because of His godly leadership and humble servant's heart and sacrifice, we can experience this. And if you haven't done so, you have the opportunity today to put your faith in Jesus and accept God's free gift of grace through Christ. For all of us, guys, let's, let's aspire to be godly leaders. What might happen if we model this type of leadership in our workplaces, in our homes, amongst our friends at school, in our church? Let's pray about it. God, I pray that we might be a church full of godly leaders in our workplaces, in our home, among our friends, in school, and in our community. God, may we never forget that it's all about Jesus. May we always point to Him, give Him glory, and make His name famous above our own. God, we pray that You would help us to have proven characters, that we may have the hearts of servants, of servants, that we may not be afraid to get our hands dirty, to be in the trenches, that we may be saturated in the gospel. God, help us to honor others. Lord, I pray that in this room and through this content, that you might raise up leaders, godly leaders, who pursue you above all else. We pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. 
and come on over, join us, come to the Sword Pub, let's worship together, let's get together, let's worship God together, let's learn and grow together, let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?